Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. I'm joined now by Jason Henza, who was, I'm calling him the anarchist superstar because it reminds me of the Marilyn Manson album, Antichrist Superstar, which is, of course, a play on the Christian film, Jesus Superstar. None of that's relevant. Anyway, you were in the HBO series, The Anarchist. Last time we had you on the show, you were, you had mentioned that the show was coming, but it hadn't actually been released yet. So thank you for joining us today. What's that? been like the reception because i know you said something about it on social media at one point how it was suddenly you were everyone was talking about you right so so what was that like as the person who went through it? i mean you mentioned in the anarchist what it was like to go through that but what was it like to go through that through that sudden rise of fame that seemed to happen as a result of the hbo series well i had prepared myself before the hbo Directly series um uh, even before I talked to anybody, talked to the cameras, talked to any of that, I thought about whether or not it was a good idea to talk to these cameras after I was shot. There was no interest in me uh, for the HBO series uh, until I was shot and my friend was murdered right before so, me and stuff uh, like that. So my friend was shot and before I even put on a mic and talked to the cameras or anything like that, I thought to myself, I don't want anything to do with this. I, I, I don't really want to... I can imagine it must have been a traumatic experience. You yeah. know, I mean, you were also your friend was shot and killed, but you were also shot three times. Is yeah. that right? Yeah, Jesus, my right arm man. wasn't working. I still have a bullet in my chest, and um, yeah, I just that's I, hardcore, dude. I, I didn't want anything to do with it, and I had to think about whether or not I wanted to um, to actually give this story to the world because. When you're on television, when you do these kinds of things, your story no longer belongs to yourself. Your privacy goes away, and everybody just gets to choose who you are from that point forward. Whatever they see, they they look through like a little tiny straw, and they decide who you are from that moment on. So, and they base this on you know the the 15 minutes per episode or whatever that you're in of the anarchist. So they don't even get a full picture; they get a very tiny picture of you. Right. So it it's an absolutely wild ride. Uh, a lot of men who went through what I went through reached out right away and they talked to me and I, I got m- like a million messages. It took me about three months to catch up with everybody. I can imagine. I, yeah. I replied to everybody who wasn't absolutely insane. Okay. There, there were good. some, yeah, there were some people that decided to let me know that they were happy that I got shot, that I was, um, Jesus Christ. What is wrong with, I mean, well, I sort of see the same thing yeah, on it, social media. Yeah. But. It's, it's a social media thing. They're completely disconnected with who I am and my story's just out there. So yeah, but Tell someone that, that you're happy they got shot. Yeah, that's that's certified. That's psychopathic. Well, they they want people who think like me to be dead, but they're only assuming how I think. They don't really know how I think and who I am as an individual and stuff like that. So they're they're just going generally because that's the best thought that they can form. Because a lot of people don't think things through all the way and then identify with the individual first. So. Yeah, I got a lot of weirdos that, you know, were happy that I was shot, happy that my wife left me. I deserved everything I got just because I want freedom and and stuff like that. And then there are a lot of men out there who reached out and wanted to talk about it and get through it because they were going through the same things. They wanted to know how I was doing and um, how can they get through it, what were some of the things I did and all that kind of stuff. So, um, I mean, gosh, it felt like I I went through a few thousand men that just had that kind of thing. And then I'm um, sure. Tons of positive responses. A lot of people surprised that I even had a story at all because most people, you know, just know me from online and they didn't even know I had a story at all. So it was uh, it, it was quite an experience. But I, I had taken all that into account even before I put on the camera or put on the mic and talked to the camera in the first place. I, I thought, okay, this is no longer going to belong to me. So everything that everybody said, I never took anything personal. I just That's tried good. to do the best I could to, you know. So it's been a year and a half or so since the series was released. I don't remember exactly when it was, but I believe you called into the show right afterward and w- while we were reviewing it and talking about it. And you said, I, if I remember correctly, that you felt it was relatively fair now that the entire series is available on Max because no corporation is happy with its name and it wants to change its name. And HBO did that. Now they're just HBO. Another just Max for whatever retarded reason. Do you feel that the series as a whole was fair? Because my understanding of it, at the way that they portrayed things, at the end, I was like, yeah, this guy definitely stepped on the feet of the drug cartels, and that's, that, that's why they took him out. 
That's the impression that I got. For, I don't know if that, that's true or not. That's just based on what the series seemed to say. That, that seemed to be what they were, the narrative they were trying to peddle. It, well, I don't think that they were trying to peddle. I think that they had a lot of forces working against the docuseries crew who had complete control, but they had lawyers, they had the industry, they even had to sue the industry to get people on site to actually work with us and, and do the sound and the lighting and everything like that. In the libertarian world, we respect everybody else's rights around us, and we act as adults, and we try to be responsible for how we feel, and we don't let our feelings affect our actions very often. So there, there is a responsibility and freedom not to hurt other people because you got feelings. It's you know yeah. called the non-aggression principle, and unfortunately, humans are still suffering from uh, social conditioning that makes us feel entitled to attack other people because we're hurt. And we, we're just going to arbitrarily blame somebody because there are other things going on in society. In reality, you're just a person and you want to sit there and share a story with kids. And you're, you're, you're not trying to attack the kids, influence the kids in any time away. You just want to share a good experience with other growing little individuals. And if the parents uh, agree to you reading to them, which seems completely harmless to me, that should not be an issue at all. But unfortunately, some people... You get caught up into the dopamine of uh, social media and getting confirmation bias all the time. Especially the outrage culture. It feels good yeah. to, to have this righteous indignation, to feel like you're on the side of justice, fighting, fighting the evil oppressors or just the evil tyrants or the evil people in general. It feels good. It's, there, there's a reason that Don Quixote got off on tilting at windmills, and it's because it feels good to feel like you're defending the weak against the strong. Hey, absolutely. And um, there, there's just this, we got to learn to put these devices down and stop collecting all that dopamine in our head and start to live in reality and start sharing real life with each other. Because you don't, you don't live life online. You, you, you live life out in the real world, meeting people and sharing experiences. And that's where history's made. History's never made behind a keyboard. I, I, I don't know anybody other than Edward Snowden who almost made history behind a keyboard, but he came out, stepped out and said, here's all my stuff. Report on it. That's a really good point. And did you have these positions about the sort of the uselessness of social media or the segregated nature of social media being distinct from the real world prior to the anarchist series? Or did you come about to this realization because of reactions you were getting to the anarchist series leading you to unplug from social media did did that sort of thing happen um i i had always felt like i was getting a dopamine feed from social media but i was just using it because i didn't realize the dangers until i started to watch society crumble during covid and they had nothing to do but scroll through social media all day which kind of like made people turn into animals and it was it absolutely wild and that's where the the thought actually formed from was just the the crazy nature that happened during Rona times. Leslie, on the subject of Maj, we don't know why he canceled. At least to my knowledge, there hasn't been a reason given. He's not, all he's doing on Twitter, according to Ian, is fundraising at the moment. I am declaring it a victory for Bonnie and Ian and their trolling. But um, it, it frustrated me to read an article about Maj and the trolling, and they didn't even give credit to Bonnie and Ian for being the ones who, who started the drag queen controversy at Pork Festing. There's not a drag queen in sight, by the way. I think I'm the closest you have to a drag queen, and I'm not a drag queen. But that doesn't matter. None of that really matters. It's a wonderful festival. Come down, hang out with us. Uh, but avoid social media, because it does give people... The wrong impression, I think, of libertarians with LPNH trying to be edgy and sometimes perhaps being misguided or letting someone tweet who should have had their thumbs cut off at some point. It's uh, jokingly, obviously. I saw your eyes get big like, oh, my God. But no, obviously joking. I'm just some people should not be tweeting at all. Is what I'm getting at. It's like that South Park episode with Robert Baldwin where he's like, I'm not racist, but my thumbs are. So I chopped off my thumbs. That's that, that, that would do some people some good. But social media is very toxic, and it feeds this toxicity. As Outrage is addictive. Anger is addictive. The righteous indignation that people feel when they, when they believe that they're the good guys bat waging eternal war against the devil, they feel good about it. To say nothing of when they say something 
controversial or not even controversial when they say something to pander to one particular crowd or another and they get likes and retweets and every single one of those is a little dopamine hit and the way i train my dog here is with little dopamine hits when she did something good when she obeyed i gave her a treat and told her good girl and this made her happy and that dopamine trained her the more of that she got the more of that behavior i got And this is what we see on social media. People want that outrage. They want that anger. They want that hostility. So they like it and they retweet it. And this causes the people who created that outrage and hostility to create more of it. And it just keeps feeding itself in this horrific negative feedback loop. And it's best to just just unplug it, just get off of it. Post post your crap if you must, because I still post to social media. Post your crap and go. That That's the best way of dealing with it. I'm joined now by Chad. Welcome. Hello. Uh, you run the taco stand down here. Chad's Tacos, I believe, is this what it's called. <laughs> how, how is this porcupine? This, this is not your per- first porcupine Freedom Festival. Nope. Uh, so what number is this for you, would you say? Number three. Number three. Uh, but this year you brought a, a number of people with you. I think you said you brought 12 people with you. And these are not libertarians? Um, only one is really a libertarian and he's actually considering moving here. The rest are mostly my employees and a couple friends of mine. So Chad's Tacos is a, a, a venue that you have outside of here that you just brought here as well? In Detroit, it's called Lagos, Grandos Ta- Lagos Grandes Taqueria. Um, okay. It's a uh, little taco shop I have there. I, I just called it Chad's Tacos here. It's a little bit easier. It's a, it's a bit easier to say, yes. Okay, so you basically brought your shop here to the Porcupine Freedom Festival to continue vending because you wanted to presumably go on, quote, vacation. And it's only a vacation, the Porcupine Freedom Festival, for some people. For other people, it's, it's a workcation. For me, it's a workcation. For you, you've been doing a lot of work down there vending tacos and you you have a large taco stall like i compare you to the other guy that i know is vending tacos he's got like a little tiny food truck maybe the size of one of these picnic tables is there's a drastic difference in the size and quality of what you seem to be doing and yours yours seems to have it now do you have burritos and i understand that's not tacos but do you have the stuff to make burritos because i haven't been by yet but i love burritos (laughs) especially burrito bowls i i'm not making burritos here this year year uh i'm just doing tacos i do do burritos in in the shop at home but it was just too much stuff to bring out that's understandable i can't blame you for that well if i'm ever in detroit i I will pop by i'm never going to be in detroit though and if i am it's going to be a long time from now but welcome back to the porcupine freedom festival is there any hope that you would say of these 12 people here do they have any libertarian political leanings other than the one that you mentioned or do they lean more toward the democratic party or the republican party or are they apolitical I'm curious what brings normies to the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Well, they're, um, I, I suppose they're probably freedom-minded at this point, mostly because of me. Okay. <laughs> and I mean, I've been, they've, they've worked with me for years, so they know what I'm all about. Um, and, and they like it. It's not uh, necessarily something that's super important to them. Um, but a few of the people that came out, I mean... So are you taking gold and silver and cryptocurrency at Chad's Tacos down there? And critically, do you take them at your brick and mortar shop in Detroit? I am taking uh, gold backs here. I don't, uh, I'm not taking cryptocurrency. Um, is there an ideological reason for that? Or is it just a matter of convenience? Um, well, um, I don't really trust things on the internet uh, in terms of counter-economics. I think uh, it's highly traceable. Um, oh, it absolutely is. Except so. for Monero, and Monero isn't supported by AnyPay, and AnyPay solved one of the problems that we had here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival with cryptocurrency. Like four or five years ago, the internet signal here sucked, and trying to send cryptocurrency was unreliable. And AnyPay wasn't really popular, so everyone just printed their QR codes, and they printed a price, and they put the QR code out there on their table. And if you wanted to buy something, you just used your wallet app, and you scanned the QR code. But it never popped up as paid, like the AnyPay app does. It generates an invoice in that amount, and as soon as it detects that payment, it pops up as paid, so the vendor knows that they've received their currency, or they're, they're going to receive their currency. But with the internet being so spotty here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival and these pre-printed, 
pre-printed QR codes, there was no real guarantee that someone was going to get their crypto. And if you sent it and it didn't go through, you, you're not going to remember three weeks later who you sent that 0.003 Bitcoins to. And it, it was very messy, very cumbersome. So I can't blame anyone who experienced that or any of the other issues with cryptocurrency for not being willing to take it. Gold is so much easier. Well, the yeah, goldbacks are amazing. I really, really like goldbacks a lot. Um, I've thought about actually accepting them at my restaurant. Um, it's uh, it's probably wouldn't be terribly popular out in Michigan, but if you know, over time, if you can get people on board for, with it. Um, I mean, that's the way to go is, is local hand-to-hand commerce when it comes to counter-economics. Because, Absolutely. Yeah, the, with uh, cryptocurrency, too, it's highly volatile. Uh, so, you know, in between taking profits, uh, you don't know what the actual value of it's going to be at the end of it. Yeah, that's that's one of the issues that other people have cited in regard to cryptocurrency, where you know if you sell some, this is the issue they have in Venezuela as well, where they sell something one day, and a few days later, the price of the bolivar has changed so much that they can't resupply whatever it was that they sold, and obviously that you can't do business like that with your with your prices suddenly changing and fluctuating, and one day to the next possibly not being able to resupply because the value of your currency has plummeted. That's why I like the idea of uh, stable coins, especially actually a goldback based stable coin, which I've heard talked about uh, from the goldback vendor. I think that's really interesting. People have been floating that idea for a while. I believe the people at AnyPay were working on something similar. Of course, there are gold-backed cryptocurrencies out there. There's Pax Gold. That's the one I'm most familiar with. I really I, I enjoyed buying it back in the day. And it is presumably backed by gold that Paxos, the cryptocurrency company, actually has. But in these cases, with these currencies that are backed by gold, one of the issues I have is that we don't ever actually know if they have the gold. And they put so many hurdles in the way with the attempts to get it. Like these gold certificates are very common in the United States. You you might have an ounce of gold in a vault somewhere, but if you actually try to redeem it, you're going to run into countless problems. And it may turn out they don't actually have the gold. And the gold backs solve that problem. Yeah. You don't have to worry about not having it's not gold backed it is gold i do have an update on the prison sentence my inmate number or with my register number i think is the terminology they use has been posted online you can find that at ariademezzo.com that's a-r-i-a-d-i-m-e-z-z-o.com it includes a link there to how you can go about sending me funds for commissary and how you can go about just writing me a letter. Definitely write me letters. I'm going to spend 18 months in prison, and it's going to be pretty lonely. So absolutely write and shout out to Jason Riddle. He was sentenced to this exact prison, to the exact facility I'm going to be at as of Tuesday. He was sentenced there for 90 days in regard to the January the 6th riot. He he took a book or something, or allegedly took a book, and I think he took a plea deal, and he served 90 days in Devon, Massachusetts, in the prison there, or in the satellite camp there. He suggests that this is where they put a lot of LGBTQ people, not just trans people, but he himself is gay, and is, he encountered a lot of gay people there. He, he mentioned that he was surprised to find so many attractive child molesters, and this surprised me, too. We had a brief discussion about this. It's absolutely shocking. I would have thought that the only kind of person who is sexually interested in children is like a fat neck beard who is old and you know can't get any attractive women his own age, but quite, quite the opposite, apparently. Many of them were quite good-looking, according to Jason. So shout out to him for that. He's, he's been an invaluable resource telling me about things, L- little things that they don't include in the orientation, like, am I going to be allowed to keep my underwear? And the answer to that ultimately was no. I'm also very curious about the typewriter situation because you can buy typewriter ribbons and I intend to spend the entire time writing. And it would be ideal if I had access to my own personal typewriter that I could use Eight hours a day listening to MP3s, listening to music and writing, which is incidentally, that's what I did growing up from like the ages of 10 to 18. That's what I did in my spare time. I put in headphones and I listened to rock music while I wrote. So that would be sort of a return to form if 
if all of those things happen to be true. He mentioned that these typewriters are present in the library for everyone to use, but maybe there's a possibility of acquiring your own typewriter, just like you can acquire your own MP3 player. Something else I had questioned about, I've flown a lot, and the... Every ever light, well, I fly with Delta, and they include Spotify on the little screen things that you can play with there, and they, they're absolutely horrible. You have a selection. They're, they're rock songs. I don't know what the hell they consider rock, but Spotify and, well, the airline and I disagree, and it's just an absolutely horrific playlist, so I wanted to know, am I going to be stuck listening to, you know, Beck? When I'm in prison, or is there an actual variety? It turns out, I think it uses iTunes. He didn't specify, but it's a dollar per song. Going to get a bit pricey, but again, you can find links to my commissary, uh, to how to send me money via commissary at ariadamezzo.com. I cannot take prison, I mean, money into the prison with me, which was surprising. I thought you could take in some amount of cash and have it automatically put onto your books. Turns out that's not the case, and they will send any cash out to some lockbox. So, and you can't send it in advance, right? I know my register number now. I have my, I have all of the information that I would need in theory to send myself money in commissary, but you can't actually do it until you're actually in custody of the Bureau of Prisons. Or at least that's what it says on the website. And I don't want to send $200 to myself and have it get lost in the ether for the next eight, you know, 18 months because I did it when I wasn't actually in Bureau of Prisons custody. So thank you, Jason. Uh, he listens to the show occasionally, I believe, for filling me in on all of these details, these, these things that you, you need to know when you're going to prison, but they don't actually explain in the handbooks. Like, I'm trans, obviously. And the commissary list that is available online only includes like boxers and briefs. So like what, what am I going to be given? And they do have special clothing that they give to trans women. It's this facility. Our, my, our guesses were accurate. They, they're putting me in a medical facility because this is where they put all of the trans people for better or worse in there with the freaking child molesters. On the subject of trans child molesters, I found out about this today. A former state rep here in New Hampshire has resigned from being a state rep for she she's going into therapy. She says she's got a lot of issues to deal with, she says, uh, because they found a lot of child sex abuse images on her devices. And she's been charged. I don't know what the results of all of that are, but she says she's going to come back to being a state representative one day once she sees a therapist. No. Kill yourself. The only way you can redeem your soul at this point, lady, is to kill yourself. The irreparable harm that you've done to the children whose material you've been exploiting. I, I don't know to what extent I believe the line that child sexual abuse images propagate child sexual abuse. Obviously, that's true to some extent. And I, I think the FBI, FBI probably overplays it a little bit. It's irrelevant, right? The act of having these images causes real harm to children, and she should burn in hell for that. I'm joined now by Angela McArdle, the chair of the National Libertarian Party, and it's great to have you on because I, I love the Libertarian Party and I, and I love what it does, and I cannot possibly sympathize enough with your position, right? I, I've seen what happens with Dennis Pratt here, uh, putting together the Porcupine Freedom Festival, and these are two very different things, right? He's putting together an event, you're running a national party, but the, the situations are similar in that you can't please people, and... No matter what you do, some segment of the irate internet is going to be angry at you and insulting you and vicious. And the, your entire rise to chair seemed to be fixated around some sort of controversy with the Mises Caucus. And I realize you probably want to be a better sport about things than I'm willing to be. But Nick Sarwark being a little bitch and causing issues everywhere that he can. And that, that's been my general take among things. You know, the, the, there was a shakeup to the regime and the old regime got really butthurt about it, which, you know, I sort of expect. But thank you for joining us here today. So what has it been like um, running this institution? I mean, libertarians are notoriously like herding cats. And here you have an organization that is built upon attempting as best as anyone can to herd these cats. What's it been like? Okay, so this is a little bit of a paradox, but let, let's dig in. So you're correct, but I, I totally reject the paradigm of cat herding because we can, we should be, and we are able to do better than that. We are of the best philosophy, just the most beautiful 
structure of uh, political and interpersonal interaction and i think we should do better than herding cats we should organize we should have the best natural hierarchies like we should be on top of all of that so has it been challenging yes the the biggest challenge is to persuade people to like rise above and be like be the embodiment of what we want to see in the rest of the world so uh you could think of it as like basic training okay <laughs> for for libertarians sure and, and that's that's commendable that that's incredible and i've always said that it's not impossible to hurt cats you just have to treat them as individuals like i have two cats and they're with me here in my hotel room and they would follow me to the ends of the earth if i just started walking they would absolutely follow me and in that sense i i'm not hurting these cats but i i am leading them and i've established this rapport with them and treated them on an individual basis, gotten to know them. That's sort of what happens with libertarians. But in the modern age of social media and people fighting one another, it's vicious, it's outrage culture. As far as I can tell, people are addicted to the outrage and the righteous indignation they feel. It's got to be worse than ever trying to get anything done. Even here in New Hampshire, where by and large, libertarians are capable of putting things aside in order to work together to accomplish things. But even here, it happens all the time where something will happen on the internet in this make-believe world of social media and other people will get upset about it and it will appear to cause massive divisions in the community. And that's just amplified on the national scale. So kudos to you for dealing with that. It, it can't possibly be easy. Thanks. I'm, I mean, you're right. The The social media drama is is pretty insane, Generally, working with people in person and working with them closely on projects, even if we're spread across the country, it goes really well. Right. Yeah. How was this? Is is your, your first time attending the Porcupine Freedom Festival, or no, have you been here in the past? My third time. Okay. Well, welcome back. Uh, are you a Free State Project signer? Are you intending to move here at any point? Are you happy where you're at? There's no wrong answer. I mean, I know sure. a lot of free staters, but there's only one right answer. But no, there's no wrong answer. To be question. decided, uh, it's not written off. Okay. We just moved to Austin, Texas recently, and we're really enjoying that. But I'm someone who says, never say never. I really support secession. Right. I really support that. Uh, you know, there's a there's a Texit thing going on right now. So it's kind of like a contest to see who first secedes. I, I had high hopes for New Hampshire. I mean, I was part of the NHXit group, I, part of the people who got all of that going, along with Dave Ridley and Alu Axelman and some others. I, I was really hopeful that the results of the constitutional amendment for New Hampshire to peaceably secede would be a little better than there were. But, I mean, we got 13 state reps to vote yes on it. And that wouldn't have even seceded. It would have just put it to the people of New Hampshire to vote on whether or not the state of New Hampshire should secede. I, I don't care who secedes first. I would love it to be New Hampshire, obviously. But for one reason, I'm going to federal prison in three days. And if I'm not, if New Hampshire secedes, then I'm not a United States citizen anymore. And I'm not subject to their laws at that point. But, you know, that's that I, I will be out of prison, it looks like, by the time that New Hampshire secedes, if it actually does declare independence. But if it's Cal Exit or Texit or New Hampshire Exit, I don't care as long as someone does it and they're successful. Do you remember the clown sightings of 2016? The what? The clown sightings? Yes. Yeah, I, I firmly believe that was a CIA psyop to study the effects of hysteria on people. That is possible. That's a really good point. I had kind of forgotten about that. Yeah, there was never any explanation of it whatsoever. It was either that or it was viral marketing for the movie It that got out of control and they pulled the plug on it and they just quietly buried it. I don't know which of the two things it was, but it was fascinating to watch these people. I had people... I was arguing with people that the clowns had not hurt anyone. They hadn't done anything. There was no reason whatsoever to be scared of them, except they were standing there being creepy. And there were, there were limitless people saying, well, I, I pray that you don't encounter one of these clowns or they don't encounter your kids. And they were just fully caught in the hysteria. And there was no basis for it whatsoever. And what I learned from that is you can't talk people out of hysteria. This yes. is presumably why the, the adage exists that you slap people out of it. But obviously, that would be right. aggression. But... We, we see hysteria constantly throughout today, and it's no longer just about the fictitious or the largely fictitious clown sightings. And, of course, we had the same things going on then where people were faking it. They wanted to be part of it or they wanted to inspire fear. Yep. So they would they would Photoshop a clown at a school or they would call in a fake clown threat, a clown threat. I can't even, I forget that this craziness even happened, but people were calling in clown threats to schools. This is so wild. So 
earlier this month I had I had a birthday party and the theme was Escape from Clown World. Okay. And so the the instructions were to come dressed as anything in the culture war uh, that completely fatigues you or to come dressed as a clown. So I invited people to come dressed as drag queens, nice. as clowns, uh, as uh, January Sixers. So so we had Patriot Front show up. Uh, we had nice. yeah, we had all kind. We had clowns. We had uh, reporters. All kinds. I feel like at a certain point it gets so hysterical. You just need to like kind of lean in and, and embrace its like hilariousness in order to kind of cath- have a catharsis and get over it. Yeah, I tend to agree. I, I'm not a big fan of interacting with children, but I was going to have a drag queen story hour here sim- simply to lean into that because it's it's portrayed as this horrific thing of people stripping for children and stuff. And m- maybe maybe some drag shows are like that, but the ones being put on for children are not. But so I, w- I was going to have one that resisted that image that was just you know people who happened to be in drag and one of the drag queens i was trying to get was a cisgender woman like a natural born woman and i didn't know until then that those were even drag queens right i thought they were female impersonator yeah and i didn't know such a thing existed so i'm i don't understand what issue a person could take with a a woman in drag reading a story to kids but you know, these things have become so politicized, so extreme that it's you're not having a comfort when they when you have these conversations. And we lost a co-host on Free Talk Live about this exact issue. We're not having a conversation about Mrs. Doubtfire reading a story to children. We're having a story of we're having a conversation to them that is about some some half naked drag queen with a dildo strapped to her forehead. And he made this. He's he. The person who quit the show cited that exact example of people reading to kids with dildos strapped to their foreheads, and these things just aren't happening. Well, well that would be gross. Yeah, but, it would be disgusting. But, but we agree on that. I mean, I think I think you touched on something good earlier, which is like the the libs of TikTok stuff. But most people agree that like no one, male or female, whatever they're dressed as, whatever they're presenting as, should be stripping naked and gyrating in front of six year olds. Hey, Daily Digest listeners, this is Riley Blake. I enjoy Free Talk Live, and I know you do too, but finding time to listen to an entire episode isn't always easy, so I produce the Daily Digest. I appreciate those of you who have supported me on Patreon and sent Bitcoin to me to thank me for producing these digests. For those who wish to support me on Patreon, visit patreon.com slash crblake86. If you wish to send Bitcoin, visit patreon.com slash crblake86. 86 for those details. That's patreon.com slash crblake86. Thank you. I'm joined now by Sean of the Liberty Policy Alliance. He's been here at the FCL site for the last week or so. Um, you are from... I'm from um, Atlanta. Atlanta, Georgia. That's right. You were previously with YAL. Yes. That's Young Americans for Liberty. And that is more or less how you know the show. Uh, you know Bonnie Cruz, who's yes. a co-host here on the show. And you you weren't happy uh, with Young Americans for Liberty to some extent, so you were like, "Screw you guys, we're going to go do our own thing." Is that is that right? Without essentially being- without without disparaging y'all too too much, right. uh, basically we decided that we wanted to. My friends and I, we all decided that hey, we wanted to take what we learned and take take a bit of a brain drain and go start our own organization. So what we do is regret we call we're a grassroots advocacy organization. So what we do is instead of knocking for candidates and campaigns we'll knock for legislation and ballot initiatives around the country so okay we'll, so you focus more on issues rather than candidates yes that, that means you have a very fitting name liberty uh, liberty policy alliance instead of liberty candidacy alliance or whatever so did you come door knocking here in new hampshire uh during the 2020 presidential campaign because i know bonnie did and some other I was, people for y'all did i was on the uh 2020 i was in the 2020 primary and the 2020 generals i was unfortunately some of some of us got hit with a really bad covid quarantine to the point oh, no. where the ag was threatening to threatening to press charges against y'all and make liberty win it wasn't a fun time wow that's insane I'm a little disheartened today to see a lot of people like camping up and leaving their sites. Uh, just a quick update on how the Porcupine Freedom Festival is going. Uh, it's It may be ending a day early from what I can tell. I got a message earlier from Carla Garrick of Queen Quill, as she as people call her, telling me that the, uh, the rant tonight, Soapbox Idol, had been moved to noon today. So it's happening right now. Previously, it's... It's the biggest event going on here. So this was a big deal to me. I was like, okay. And I'm the judge of this event. One of the judges. 
But ultimately, it, I think it's because of the weather. And now there's two soapbox idols happening today, one today and then the normal one at 6 o'clock tonight. It's it's all very unclear and very hectic, very confusing here. At, I mean, it's... It's a Porcupine Freedom Festival. It's libertarians, yep. so nothing is clear. Everyone is late, and it's it's a great time, nonetheless, though. So I'm still hoping that Soapbox Idol and other events are going to proceed as normal. But it's a rainy day. It's only going to get more rainy. I think we got a little brief reprieve from it right now, but it's coming again. So all of that said, reintroducing people to the Porcupine Freedom Festival, because we are on site. And you know, people tend to forget that. So tell me more about what you guys are doing. Like, what brings you... Why are you here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival? What are you hoping to accomplish? So there's a list of mul- there's a multitude of things that we're hoping to I'm hoping to accomplish here. I'd say we, but none of the rest of my team is here right now. So yeah, there I'll was supposed to be a second person, right? But yeah, things just didn't work out. Schedules didn't work out. So the reason we're here is one, kind of make a name for ourselves amongst New Hampshire libertarians. Two. My ideal goal would be to have our headquarters. We're all working remotely right now. Like I have guys in Florida, New York, Ohio, Texas, all over. Fantastic. Uh, we, I want to be able to have a headquarters here in New Hampshire because the way I see it, if you're going to have a libertarian organization, you need to be located in the liberta- the quote unquote libertarian homeland. So what we're here for, what I'm here for, is to make contacts with a lot of people, whether they're here they live here as part of the free state project or if they're from other places around the country because we are a i want to make us a big national organization i want to be have have our hands in as many of the cookie jars as i possibly can and that means making contact with a bunch of people making like getting people on email lists i've given out over 200 business cards with a qr code that has goes to our website and all of our social media and stuff like i'm try i'm really really all about making positive contact giving out informa- information people look us up and that turn that'll turn in turn turn into donations and stuff we can use towards actively actively pursuing our goals so has the porcupine freedom festival been successful for you have you been i would i would call it a success like i said i've given out over 200 business cards with our inform with our organization's information on it i've got 50 people to sign on to an email list i nice so that that I always wish thing. I I'd always wish every single year I I wish I had done something different and this year I this is not the first time that I re- I realized I should have brought a clipboard to get people's email addresses to add to our mailing list at Free Talk Live because we do have a, a mailing list and we if we got several thousand emails on it but it, it's an easy thing to do to get in touch with people to keep in touch with people and hope that your messages don't go to spam but right. Email is a wonderful way of contacting people and making anything happen. When I formed the Libertarian Party of Tate County back when I lived in Mississippi, it was almost entirely through email that we managed to do anything. I did send out physical letters to the registered members that I had on file, but I didn't get any responses to those. It was uh, Email seemed to be the fastest and most efficient way of reaching out to people. And, of course, I'm going to federal prison in like two and a half days. So I've And I've learned today that... Uh, someone who went to this exact facility says that no one no one writes letters anymore, even people in prison. They, it's all email. So I'll have some access to email. Email is the way of the future, though. So I'm, I'm glad to see you guys doing that and that you've gotten so many email addresses. What else... What what else? What are your feelings on the Porcupine Freedom Festival as a whole? I mean, is this your first year? This is my first year. I've I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed being able to walk around, have just nice conversations with people, have some great food. Just the overall experience has been just insanely great. I I I'm going to try and be back here with more people next year, obviously, and a bet and more planning ahead of time. This was not not my best attempt at getting it getting something through, but it was our first time, so I figure the. Why not wing it? So sad news here from the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Apparently there was additional vandalism and destruction last night at the Liberty spot up here at the top of the hill. One of my favorite vendors. Indeed. And really, really nice people, really friendly people. It's it's tragic to think that this happened. Someone apparently went through and emptied out their coffee pots because they have self-serve stations that they leave out for late night people. And apparently someone dumped all that stuff everywhere. It's very tragic, very very sad to have seen this happen. And it's not the it's not the first time this year that something like this has happened. Yeah, there was a a guy who no one really from the community recognized 
who, I mean, he came over here, he sat down at your computer. He did, you know, it was we super sort of, weird. We sort of shooed him away. He showed up a little bit later at one of the one of the tents where people were having good times, and you know, sort of everybody sort of had to ignore him out of there. And then I was told that that same dude is the one who uh, assaulted a person. Yeah, right, uh, up, right up here just at the top of the hill. He, he had to be physically removed. Is he what took the, a quartz crystal and he attacked someone. Yeah. And they, the pork rangers did bind him. They have apparently zip-tie handcuffs. And I still, Which is weird. Yeah, I still have to ask questions about why the pork rangers have any form of handcuffs. I mean, except for the fuzzy kind, perhaps. But they did, and, you know, they handled the situation as well as they could have, and the guy was arrested, I believe. But, uh, of course, this all harkens back to last year, and Mm -hmm. Mikey the Snack Jew, and the $300 or so in losses that he's been talking about, I mean, for like a year now. And, you know, I... I understand entirely Dennis Pratt and the Porcupine Freedom Festival's position on this. Like, Mikey, what the hell do you want them to do? Right, do you yeah. want them to offer an apology? They, they didn't do it, and they're not responsible for it. You, you had the self-serve station. You know the risk that yep. is involved with leaving your stuff out. Well, and, you know, provide your own security, right? That's kind of also what this, true. this event is all about. You're supposed to be able to put up your own thing, do your own thing, but that means you also must be responsible for your own thing. To my vast surprise, the the LGBTQ flag still has not been vandalized. It's still still flying right there, doing just there fine. Is. Thankfully, nothing at our site has been vandalized. I I didn't even consider that about a possibility because I've been coming here for seven years in a row, and my first year will co- was during the Muslim Holy Month of mm. Ramadan. Ramadan changes its location on the calendar each year. It's like an 11-month cycle, more or less. And I was here with Will Coley, and during Ramadan, they give away, the Muslims give away a lot of food after dusk. They fast during the day, and then they eat at night. And he did have a donation jar out there, and it it was totally fine. We just left the donation jar sitting out there Mm -hmm. all day and night and just never touched it until the end of the week, at which point he collected it and, Mm -hmm. you know, counted it all. And there was no theft, and it never even occurred to us that something could happen to it because we were surrounded by libertarians. Yeah. And presumably this was the thinking and the reasoning that Mikey had with his self-serve stations and that Liberty had with their self-serve stations and that, you know, we had here with leaving our equipment out. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not the Porcupine Freedom Festival it used to be. And I don't want to point any fingers here, but when you have someone on Twitter opening, threatening violence at your event and you don't take a firm stand against that, I can't even be pretend to be surprised that if, that violence then goes on at yeah. said event. Well, and the, the numbers <clears throat> sort of tell us that the more people that begin to attend Porkfest, uh, and I think we've pretty much gotten to capacity the last two years here. Dude, they turned off the water Thursday. Yeah. Are you free? And the, and most of the bathrooms are still closed. It's unsustainable. And so as that number sort of continues to increase, we're going to see more incidents like that. You just can't put this many people together in, you know, this closed of a location and expect there to be nothing. I'm joined here with Jack and the philosopher. Jack, I didn't actually get how you might prefer to be called on the radio. So uh, Jack Lloyd is how we can go by that. Jack Lloyd, I know that name. I, uh, I'm on the internet. Okay, maybe, maybe that's why I know it then. Oh, cool. And, of course, uh, Fa is how I know you. Uh, I don't know. I, I, is that your actual name? Or uh, is that just a nickname that you go by? Because isn't that yeah, no, a type of the- noodle? Yeah, that's right. You, okay. You're very cultured. Yes, it's a Vietnamese noodle dish. It's my favorite uh, food. I grew up with it, and I love philosophy, so that's why I'm the philosopher. And yeah, it's just my nickname. I, it's very my clever. Mom didn't call me burrito. You know what I mean? Like, okay. Well, <laughs> you, you never know these it's days, true. right? You never know. Right. And I appreciate you saying I'm very cultured, but I, I cheated. In in New oh, Hampshire, like in Keene in particular, we had a restaurant called uh, Fa Keene Great. Uh, that's the word fun, and the word keen, and the word great. And obviously, if you say that all very quickly, it's a lot of fun to say. And the city of Keen got upset about this because the person who started the restaurant was renting from the city of Keen, and they did approve, and then they tried, they tried to take it back. So that's the only reason I know what pho is, because we had a pho restaurant there in Keen that specifically played into the word pho in the many ways you can have fun with that. Yeah. Again, pho, keen, 
Great was the name of this restaurant. They did end up changing it to the Funky Noodle, again Aww. spelled P-H-O-N-K-Y. Man, first name is way better. <laughs> there, there was actually on that note, there's supposed to be a, a pho vendor coming called Fuck You. Oh, really? Like pho Q. <laughs> right. Letter Q. Oh, pho and the letter Q. But yeah, this would be Isabel, right? Because she was here last year. Oh, right, we heard last year they had yeah, it, and we've been could. waiting anxiously every day, checking out Site 8, and we're like, where is pho Q? And... So they I didn't just had come hot up. dogs and tacos. So, yeah, we had to settle for hot dogs and tacos. That's <laughs> uh, so unfortunate. But she was definitely here last year. She had poker. She had a full air-conditioned RV type of thing last year, and we had poker in there. And she was definitely doing some sort of cooking last year. She started to open a Vietnamese, a French-Vietnamese restaurant in Keene to sort of compete with the Funky Noodle. And she was part of, she was one of the part owners of the, the fucking great Back when it initially opened, but there was a dispute Whoa. between her and Malays. Malays more recently, sadly, passed away, so she's no longer right. with us. And, and so the restaurant itself is a close. So now in Keene, we no longer have a Vietnamese restaurant. But Isabel is notoriously hard to pin down. She's a very busy person, and just because she plans to be here and she wants to be here and she is scheduled to be here doesn't necessarily... <laughs> mean that everything will align and she will be here sadly uh, okay so it's very interesting to sit across from you and all credit to you too as well jack but for like the philosopher i've been seeing like memes of yours especially on facebook for five or six years if not wow. more it, as long as i can remember being a libertarian activist i've been seeing content generated by you especially the memes <laughs> On social media and obviously I knew at some point there was a person behind it but I never wondered why you were called the philosopher <laughs> yeah and I, I never looked into what you actually did I just thought you were someone who made memes right but but that's wrong I'm, I'm incorrect so tell me what exactly is it that you do oh well um uh, I do a lot of things uh, so by day I'm a I'm a software engineer and uh, on the weekends and nighttime, I try to do the philosopher and uh, try to stay into current events with memes. I've made like videos before, like different short presentational videos, um, just trying to break down certain things. Uh, and now I'm really getting into music. And um, in what way are you into music? Because I do a lot of rock, rock music, and I'm always I love female singers and rock music because there's something about the 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 beauty of a woman's voice juxtaposed with like the the raw intensity of rock music that I just absolutely love. So just yeah, curious, what, what kind of music? Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we've made a lot of rap songs, uh, and also we've dived into rock as well. Have done some rock and rap. Um, have tried some eighty synth music. Uh, have also <laughs> tried our hand at country. So w we just enjoy yeah. music a lot. Okay. I actually and, knew this about yeah. the rap thing because someone yeah. said a few days ago they were going down to a libertarian rap event, a libertarian rapper oh, event yeah. that was happening at like 6 o'clock at the pavilion. Last <laughs> on Tuesday. That and, was us. <laughs> and I was like, what are you talking about? I've never heard of this. So of course, I don't pay much attention to the Porcupine Freedom Festival schedule because it's so busy. It gets so full and it changes yeah, so here. frequently. And I'm usually here doing this, right? Yeah. So I, I hadn't even been aware of that. So how was it? How did that go? It was a wild ride because we yeah, had an hour wild. scheduled yeah, and then an hour, everything but... that could go wrong went wrong. Yeah. Oh, so we that. had the computer blue screen and crash, like the one that you know was the, the center stage one. So yeah. we were very fortunate. Probably Another the guy, one Alex. providing like your backing tracks and your actual music and stuff. Right. Yeah. So it was actually, I think, uh, Jason's wife's computer. Okay. So sorry uh, um, if your sword. computer doesn't work. Don't blame us. <laughs> we swear. It was just that music. Was we didn't put any viruses on there. It was a clean drive. We swear. <laughs> it, blame Microsoft. I generally don't consider social media activism to be activism, right? I tend to look down on those libertarians, and as much as I look down on anyone, I try not to look down on people, but I don't consider posting to Twitter and Facebook and Instagram or whatever to be actual activism. But that's not necessarily true when we're talking about things on the scale of like the philosopher and anarchy ball that... <laughs> Like I, I've got memories that I can pull up on Facebook right now, almost certainly of either Anarchy Ball or or the philosopher memes wow. that Facebook will want me to broadcast that I first shared, you know, six or seven years ago. <laughs> right. Something that's that impactful and influential, I don't think is. I don't think that counts as just libertarian activism online. I think there's more to it than that. And that trying to being too hard up on. Social media activism is probably the wrong way to approach things because it can be 
very influential and very successful. Definitely. I've never met either of you, but I knew I knew exactly who you were. It took me a minute because you introduced yourself as Fa and you said you <laughs> created videos. And I was just sitting here outside the campsite and I talking to you one day. And then suddenly it clicked. Oh, you're your the dog, philosopher. Your dog was like licking me, pretty girl. She's like, yeah, hey. she was. She's super friendly. And suddenly yeah. it clicked. I was Probably like, oh my God. I've been seeing your content for, for years, yeah, right? Yeah, that. That blew me away. I'm like, because I, I saw you as part of the Crypto Six on the uh, NBC Boston documentary. So yep. I was like, whoa, hey, that's incredible. Like how we have those connections, even though we've never met in person. Yeah, so I guess the stars aligned, you know. And it's all because of the work that you do online. So on, on yeah. the subject of stuff you do online, all of that is fantastic. But is there anything that you do, any other activism, libertarian activism that you take part in? You said you mentioned wanting to start a family. Uh, raising a family, it seems, is a form of activism in a lot of these cases. And I think of people like Jay Noon down there, who doesn't have a social security number, is super hardcore libertarian, right? And like he, the way that he's raising his family, almost by definition, has to be considered to be activism in and of itself. Yeah, so I think, so. I I think it's difficult to define activism. So all of that said, is there anything that you do that would be that could be considered activism that you'd like to talk about, that you'd like to share with us? Um, sure, like yeah, in, in person and things like that. We we definitely are not just online, as you can see. Right. We are here in the flesh. And my apologies. <laughs> I gave you absolutely no warning. I was going to ask a question like that. It's like, here, no, think about not. your life's work no, you're for good, a second. You're good. <laughs> um, so, no, we, we do that stuff in person as well. We, we go to events and even events that are outside of the scope of, of just being hardcore voluntarists or ANCAPs or whatever. Mm -hmm. And we talk to people. So we're in the business of changing minds in the culture and we do yeah, educate people. people in person mm -hmm. and talk to them about the principles and help challenge them, you know, on a one-on-one -on -one basis. Um, so it isn't just online, although I really appreciate you encapsulating that, that, you know, at scale, there's a lot of minds who could be changed. And I certainly have gotten that feedback directly. People yeah. who said, I had no idea about these principles. You changed my life. You changed my mind. I've had people who said that about her work, my work, mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. But, you know, even with our, our family and, and stuff like that, we uh, do outreach with them. You know, I've helped to change my own uh, mom's mind. I've helped to change yeah. my brother's mind. Um, so right. activism doesn't have to be something that's grand. It could be as simple as just trying to change yourself and those who are your closest because i generally take a a strong stance against just social media activism and that's not because i'm against social I, lately these days i'm more against social media than i am for it i think the world would be a better place if we just nuked the servers at facebook and google and twitter I, I, I think just completely dismantling them or throwing them a volcano would make the world a better place but there are a lot of libertarians out there who are fixated on the national libertarian party which again is fine nothing inherently wrong with that but their only activism is posting online about liberty things and that's very common and these are the same sort of libertarians who joke about being on the FBI list or whatever. It's like, oh, you've seen the memes I post. I'm on the FBI's list. But like, no, you're deluded. Uh, if, if what you're doing is using the Internet as your main source of activism, then the FBI wrote you off as a threat long ago. I'm a pacifist. I was raised a pacifist, a religious pacifist. And um, I, I, I really arrived at libertarianism in a somewhat roundabout, more religious way than most libertarians do. Um, I was I was talking a lot about nonviolence in Eastern religions and a lot about um, pacifism in uh, in Western uh, Anabaptist and Mormon um, historical religious traditions. And that led someone to point out to me, well, hey, that's a lot like the non-aggression principle libertarians talk about. And I was like, oh, really? What's that? And um, that was probably 15 years ago or something like that. I was a Democrat. I was a very active Democrat. I actually, you know, helped select the um, the people to go to the national convention and helped run the state convention and things like that down in Arizona. So, I mean, I was I was very much a liberal. But really, what had driven me to be a liberal in the first place was that I was tired of the way the Republicans were expanding constantly the spending on the military and um, as well as the administrative state. I thought, well. I, I loved to tick off my conservative Republican friends. They'd say, why are you a Democrat? And I'd say, because I believe in fiscal responsibility. And they'd be like, what are you talking about? The Democrats are worse than the Republicans. And I'd say, well, yeah, but uh, how good are the Republicans? And they'd be like, well, not very good, at least not since, like, you know, the last hundred years or so. But, 
And, you know, and I'll, be, I'll be like, yeah, see, you know, I'm sorry, but like, <laughs> you're not going to get me. To, you're not going to get me that way. But then uh, once I learned more about libertarianism, I basically thought, OK, I've been a libertarian all along. As soon as I got any Democrat in power, they were immediately doing everything right. that I didn't want in the first place, like funding endless wars. And so I realize uh, you're not a Catholic. You're, you're Mormon, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that's correct. But I have a confession. Uh, I, have, <laughs> I have been spreading misinformation. You're not apparently. my daughter. You are absolved. Thank you. No. Well, of course, I, I have no authority to say that either. <laughs> right, obviously. I, uh, you know, I have been spreading misinformation, apparently. I've been corrected on this. I have been telling people that the gold back cannot be smelted down to redeem the gold out of it. And now, I, I thought that you and I had a conversation about this last year, and that was what I was basing this on. I thought I remembered mm-hmm. you saying that one could not do that. But Ian has since informed me that, yes, you can smelt the gold down, so, yeah. but it's a complicated process. So, well, so, it's not terribly complicated, but you do need the right, mater- you do need the right uh, facilities. So I, I wouldn't advise lighting a gold back on fire, but um, if you put it in a crucible and you heat it the proper way, yeah, the gold is fully recoverable. You can melt it down. So it's no more complicated than melting down a silver bar to get the silver out of it. Is is that right? Correct. It shouldn't oh, be any more difficult okay. than that. See, I, I, I don't know why I got it in my head that it was. Now, let me tell you one of the reasons why I might have said something along those lines is it's it's kind of a terrible idea. Well, yeah, half of its backs. value isn't the actual gold. Half right. Of about, value. about half of its value is the fact that it's a, a, a financial vehicle. And so I like to compare it to an actual street vehicle. Uh, the same way that you wouldn't uh, buy a brand new car or truck in order to immediately melt it down so that you could get some steel is the same reason why you wouldn't want normally to melt down a gold back to get the gold out of it because uh, when you do that, you ruin its value. So, you know, let's say you're going to go buy a new car. You're willing to pay more than like five or $600 for a brand new car and for good reason. That, that car is going to get you someplace that you want to go. But if you were to turn around and melt that car down, you're only going to get about $500 worth of steel out of it. Two years ago, I think it was, you said to me that Satanism is a denomination of Christianity, technically. And like that was something <laughs> I had never thought about before. And you're absolutely correct. But uh, all of that said, what it, it seems to me as though there is some common ground, some, some philosophical common ground between Mormonism and libertarianism, some, some belief that humans can be and should be better than we currently are, that, that we are beautiful but flawed creatures, but we should be motivated by love and compassion and understanding more so than any of these other things. And libertarians puts those characteristics first, and as mm-hmm. far as I can tell from the Mormons that I've interacted with in a very limited way, mm-hmm. they tend to also put those characteristics first, ahead of, like, ahead of traditional values or whatever mm-hmm. other ideas they may hold. Uh, Mormonism actually has this concept. Uh, called, we call it the plan of salvation. It's the idea of the path of the human soul throughout the cosmos, right? The, the path of life. And this life is only one small aspect of a, a broader thing. So we believe in a pre-mortal existence, that before we were born, we had a spiritual existence or essence already. And the reason I bring this up is because this is a very libertarian idea. So basically, if you tell this to any Mormon that you want to make a libertarian, you can really point out that Mormonism is a libertarian religion. So we have this idea that that it existed before before birth. So what were we doing? What were all these spiritual entities doing? Well, in this spiritual world, before this world was created, uh, we believe that there was a great conflict, a great question, and that conflict and question was about freedom. It was about agency. Wow, uh, okay. We believe that the enemy of mankind... Um, generally associated with Satan, therefore, or the devil, um, was attempting to take away the freedom of mankind, trying to say, no, man will be in my image, man will do as I say, and I will therefore make a perfect creation, because that perfect creation must be obedient to all that I say and do. Are you suggesting that Yahweh would be the devil in this figure? Um, you or know, Yahweh I, I do recognize the, from a Satanist viewpoint. Because that's um, what I would argue, and right. I'm, I'm just curious. Yeah, so, but our, our view was that Yahweh had the opposite view. And that Yahweh said, no, man must have their agency. Because, okay. if they, if, because if they cannot choose, if they cannot choose evil or good, if they cannot do whatever they please, they will never be able to grow into the stature they're meant to become. And in Mormonism, that goal, and this is one of the reasons why most people find Mormonism blasphemous, that goal is to become a god. 
It's to become perfected. It's to become perfectly embodied, perfectly realized in all divine attributes. Had these people not read the Bible? Because like it, apotheosis <laughs> and deification are like common threads in the Bible of a person. Right? Like at one point, mm-hmm. God, I think refer. I think one of the Psalms says that ye gods and refer to all mm-hmm. of. All, All of the people, the, yeah, right, and so yeah, the, the so th- this is a very libertarian idea. I believe that really sits at the heart of Mormonism. And so, if you ever meet an authoritarian Mormon, you could be like, "Hey, you know, isn't that the devil's plan?" And they will know what you're talking about because there's this concept in Mormonism: that the devil's plan was to take away our freedom, and that God wants us to have our freedom because only through our experience can we truly become gods. I like that idea, and you know, it. It it's coincides with a lot of what I believe as well, which is that yeah. the, our goal here as existing creatures is to to become better, is to use the rope that we have, not to hang ourselves, mm-hmm. but to to you know cast it up there and climb it to new heights and become better. How cool is that, right? I mean, sometimes the outwardly it appears different, but I love the idea that a Mormon elder and a, uh, a priestess of satan can actually find that we actually have more common ground than difference and that's the type of thing that seems to happen in a place like pork fest you know we all want our freedom and we find common ground it's truer than not in my experience but one of the issues i have with the internet and social media is that it causes people to focus more on their differences than their similarities and i mean this has always been an issue with human beings we we sort of do that if you have 100 people in a room you're not going to focus on how they're similar you're going to focus on how they're all different Right. And social media sort of embodies that. It, it causes people to divide themselves into smaller and smaller groups and be more and more hateful and vicious toward one another. But really, we we all – there's a lot more common ground between you and I than mm-hmm. we have with the elites. And that that's one of the points I try to make to some of the status, some of the authoritarians. is like, look, I don't care that you hate trans people, that you hate Satanists or whatever. None of that really matters you and I still have a whole lot more in common than you have in common with Donald Trump. You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, listen live and more, all for free at freetalklive.com.